1: Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat.
0: What do you think about the Laker team now? you follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there.
2: I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct what's up laker fans welcome to laker film room podcast brought to you by doordash nfl sunday ticket and betonline.ag i'm pete joined as always by darius the lakers just completed their iverson sweep over the portland trailblazers with a 131 to 122 win after dropping the first game won their last four had a brief hiatus um due to uh the shooting of jacob blake and the the players wanting to pursue you know broader measures wanting the league and the owners to to do more we will see uh, how that goes but they resumed in really darius that was one of the stranger playoff games. i mean all of this is strange right but just the that felt closer to like an open gym open run type vibe than a playoff game but uh lebron and ad were absolute monsters they had 79 points on 28 of 37 shooting they had 14 assists 19 rebounds they were just absolutely spectacular so I want to start there um Anthony Davis's jump shot I feel like if those two are shooting like that this is a practically unbeatable team Portland's a poor defensive team and they they didn't have Dame and all that and you know Lakers are supposed to win this game. They were awful on defense in the first half, but there was never a point in the game where they didn't have this game under control. But how much of what LeBron and AD did in this series, like what did you see from them that was maybe different than what we saw during the regular season?
1: Well, I mean, the shooting, you said it at the top, man, but the shooting, this game especially, um, so Let's start with this game cuz I think we'll get more into what the series was like a little bit later in the pod. But but yeah. this game, look man, like they went 8 for they went 8 for 13 from 3 combined. AD went 4 for 6, LeBron right. went 4 for 7. Um It's just a ridiculous level of of jump shooting efficiency from two guys who threaten the rim as well as they do. Um, and when their jumpers are falling like that, it sets up every other aspect of their game so well that they really do become unguardable in in a lot of ways. Um, almost every team plays both LeBron and AD to beat them with the jumper. And when... They start to fall like this. You can sort of see the defense sort of throw their hands up. Like, what do we do now? And, mm-hmm. and okay. then if even one of the role players gets their jumper to start falling as well, and, and that's all it was today. It was only one of the role players. It was KCP. But the mm-hmm. ball will then find that guy based off of LeBron and AD just doing their normal work, right, which is like threatening mm-hmm. the paint, threatening the front front of the rim. Portland started to send hard doubles at both LeBron and AD um this game when they were post posting up. I thought this was a really really good passing game by Anthony Davis. Um he mm-hmm. made some really good reads and showed some patience as as a passer that that hasn't necessarily been there during this season, so if there was actually one thing that did sort of stand out to me that was different from any of those guys tonight than it was like even during this playoff series or during the regular season, I thought it was Davis's passing. How about you?
2: Hmm. Uh, it's his jump shooting for me. Like the so. The, cir- the circumference of a ball, of an NBA ball, is 29 and a half inches, and you have like four four inches room for error, right, before you hit the rim. Like, I, I watch a lot with shooters is, not just if the ball makes or misses, but how does it miss? Is he missing short? Is he missing, uh, is he back rimming shots? Or is he missing left-right? And that's something where if, if they're like left-right misses, there's a mechanical problem or footwork issue. Long-short is, you know, depth perception and all that. It's not just that AD is making his shots. His shots are not touching the rim. He's not rattling any jumpers in. He's not like front rimming and getting a soft little bounce. He did on the first shot of the game, but everything else, man, is like. You ever play basketball on a rim? Yeah, wasn't that I was about to say? It's like, and there's some. Sometimes you shoot, and if it's just like pure, you're like. Did that go in or was that an air ball, right? Like you can't even tell because it was just, it was so nice. And like his shots aren't grazing the rim. They are in that four, like he doesn't need any of that four inches margin for error. His jump shooting, man, he hit one against Nurkic, right? So we'll talk about Houston. We're going to preview the Houston series in the next pod. But uh, he really took advantage of Nurkic and Whiteside in this series. From there, they got to play a little bit off of him. And so it's like, Jab step, jab step. Okay, I'm just gonna rise up with this. But he hit one in the third quarter where he jab stepped and he got his right leg way out, like not underneath his shoulders the way it's supposed to be, quote unquote. And just so his bit, ba- he looked like the letter A. You know, his legs were were splayed, and he just <laughs> it was just wet, just like he his his. I mean it's not sustainable right he's not going to be facing first off the attempts he's not going to, there's nobody on Houston that is going to have to play 2 feet off of him that like his advantages against Houston will be different um so those but his three point shooting and all that you're right that his um that his uh passing was excellent in this game in particular but just the the jump shooting man i know it's not you know terribly sophisticated analysis but just that and then with lebron man just Seeing playoff LeBron, this game, he must have had five or six older brother-type baskets where he just, like, I'm just going to back you down to three feet away from the rim and lay the ball up in the basket because I'm way bigger and stronger than you. I think that's going to be something very important in the Houston series. But just those two, like, it, it's it's interesting seeing superstars in the playoffs again. That was one thing that those two guys really let it be known, right? Like, the season is so long— that you still get these incredible games from them. But seeing them locked in and in a rhythm is like, oh, yeah, that's why you trade freaking everything for Anthony Davis. Well, you know? it's
1: interesting when you were talking about his his jump shooting efficiency, there were a couple of plays this game where you could tell he was feeling his jumper based off of where he was positioning himself on the floor within the context of, hmm. of a set, right? And and so there were a couple of times where LeBron was sort of close to him as a dribbler, right? And some of the Lakers' offensive principles would be for that man to then cut through or, or mm-hmm. for you to try to manipulate spacing. But AD was just... He was basically saying, oh, hell no, I'm not the guy who is going to vacate the three-point line here. I'm going to hold my spot because I'm Mm -hmm. feeling my jumper so well that my guy is helping. He's going to deter Mm -hmm. LeBron from driving, and I'm going to get this Mm -hmm. ball, and I'm going to shoot. Like, basically... If he's trying to make the play for LeBron there, he probably vacates, right? Because mm-hmm. that then opens up the driving lane for Braun. AD could probably then circle to the dunker spot. And, and these were lineups where Anthony Davis was effectively playing center, right? These weren't the ones where there were two mm. bigs on well, well, on the floor. He could have easily vacated the three-point arc and drifted down and hovered around the baseline, gone weak side dunker spot, and then played for the lob if Braun is going to then mm-hmm. attack. But he didn't do that. He basically camped right. behind the arc. He and that's his signal, I feel or at least this game it was, that was his signal to Braun. Mm-hmm. Like, hey man, look, just kick the ball to me, and I'm just gonna make this jumper. And it was really pop a shot for him. It was catch, it mm-hmm. it was literally catch and shoot. And you could tell when Anthony Davis shoots his free throws, he's got one of the more interesting free throw routines to me because he, most guys, most players set their feet at the at the line. They they find where they want their feet to be and then they do whatever they're going to do with the ball, right? Dribble, dribble or spin it in their hands mm-hmm. or whatever. They'll exhale. Right? They, mm-hmm. and, and then they bend their knees, and then they go into their shooting motion. But their feet are already set. Anthony Davis's free-throw routine is he like picks up the ball. He dribbles. He has his right foot exaggerated forward. But then right before he goes into his shoe shooting motion, he takes a step to his left, and he takes a step to his right. And then he gets his feet shoulder-width apart, and then he goes for, for his jumper. And it's an interesting thing then when you watch him shoot his regular jumper and when he's really in rhythm. It goes back to the point you were making a mm-hmm. couple of pods ago about him really being at his best when he's playing on, like, the balls of his feet and and and, and just bouncy out there. Because when you're watching mm-hmm. his jumper now um, during this series and – and with the level of accuracy that he's been shooting it with, almost all of his jumpers mirror his free throw motion where he is finding a rhythm dribble mm-hmm. and then he is bouncing in like with a one-two into his jumper. Even if it's off of the catch, he's still doing it. And that to me is showing that he's just in an excellent rhythm as a jump shooter right now, yeah, and there is no breaking this concentration, and he's finding that rhythm off of the dribble, off of jab steps, just like you said. He is he is ripped through jabs like he's jab step ripped through dribble spin yeah. step, step back, back. Yeah. and all of it though is all still pitter patter one two, perfectly on balance and going in to his jump balance. And That's it. It's 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 just beautiful to watch man like
2: he's he's so graceful he's such a graceful player that uh when he's when he's in his bag and when he's bouncing around like that i feel like like that's the best version of him right it's the if he's stagnant or like shooting out of a face up in the post, maybe that's not the same thing. But if he's dribbled a couple of times, and you know, like you said, that jab step, step back, sidestep, all of that, if he's bouncing around, that's usually when he's going to be making his shots. Now, the the next series will likely be uh, a different challenge for him from a jump shooting perspective. But just this was just a spectacular display tonight. So we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, that That was a game that, again, was kind of a Again, closer to an open gym type of environment. Uh, Their defense—it was the worst defense of the series. Let me
1: say this too: like the circumstances of the layoff, right, and everyone sort of being mentally trying to gear back up to play an actual basketball game, right, Mm -hmm. Um, and and the specific circumstances around why the last game was not played and the goals of the player, sort of off the court and what they were working towards. That's a mental thing that Mm -hmm. they need to get back into the right headspace in order to go compete at a high level. When you add that then to the circumstances of this series, right, where the Lakers have won three straight games, the Blazers were without Damian Lillard, right, who is an all-NBA level player and Portland's best player. There was a bit of funky sort of energy to start that game and and just some real lack Mm -hmm. of focus from the Lakers side. And you can attribute that to whatever you want to attribute it to, but they were not sharp. They were not engaged defensively. And even offensively, they were turning the ball over some. They weren't hunting mismatches very much at all, especially in that second quarter when when... Anthony Davis was being guarded by Carmelo Anthony for like that that long stretch to start <laughs> the second quarter when yeah. Bron wasn't in the game and the Lakers were running a bunch of like pick and roll and random stuff and like swinging the ball to KCP and he's taking step back threes and, and there just wasn't a lot of hey remember this is a playoff game vibe to it.
2: That's that's something that. I talk about this a lot with regards to defense, but basketball is such a focus-centric sport, right? Where if you're if you're at ninety percent, especially against a team, even without Dame, like Portland can score. Portland's got a great offense; like they got guys who can get buckets all over the court. And if you don't have if you don't have your act together, if you don't have that focus where everybody's really locked in and paying attention, you are going to give up a lot of points. Even if your focus is like okay in, against a team like that and the playoffs and all of that, um, th- that it's it, it reminded me a little bit of the beginning of yeah. the seeding games, um, and totally understandable. Like you said, the reasons for the the layoff and just going from playoff basketball to the like the meeting they had the boycott that that the bucks started that the rest of the league joined in on to figuring out how do we want to proceed what do we want to achieve out of this how do we want to go about achieving it and then going back to the mindset of playoff basketball uh it has to be very difficult and then there's you know their best player the guy who you've game planned for for the first four games is is gone but they can still score. Um, there were a lot of reasons for that game to go the way that it did. But ultimately, um, yeah, Lakers win four one. Let me say uh, too, one last thing. When it was time to close them out,
1: they did it. And,
2: and yeah, that's it. Felt like that the whole game. Like they, like they were never out of control when they needed to do it. They're gonna be. Yeah, able to they do it. just. The game was up for not
1: up for grabs, right? But it was time for the Lakers to grab the game. Right? Portland was either going right. to hang in or the Lakers were going to push them out of the frame. And to close out the game, um, six minutes left, the Lakers went on like a 20-7 to 7 run or something like that. And that was it. And we can... We could say all of the stuff about a lack of focus and everything that went into it, and all that stuff was true. But when it was winning time, the Lakers decided it's time to go win the game, and that's exactly what what they did, which was really indicative of the entire series, which I think will be a good place to transition to the second half.
2: Yeah, the Lakers were significantly better than portland and you know the like i again i have a ton of respect for dame especially but the lakers are a couple of tiers better than the blazers are and they showed that in this series uh so let's take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about kind of what we learned about the team from this series over the totality of the five games we'll be right back sundays are coming back with the nfl With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. So, Darius, one thing about this series, in a lot of ways, I think the Blazers were a great first-round opponent for us to have for two reasons. They have a star. They have a superstar on offense in Damian Lillard on the perimeter in a place where we're missing Avery Bradley, Rondo has been out. We're thin at that position. And we had to scheme to make sure he doesn't drop fifty on us the way that he was dropping on people in in the seating games, and I thought we executed that very well, but beyond that, seeing the ball go in the basket in the bubble, which is a team which is something that Portland gives you a lot of opportunities to to do like there's nobody I don't think we leave this series with anyone like, you know, Danny Green was 1 for 6 in this game. Kuz was like 0 for 4. I don't think Kuz even shot 30% from 3 in the series. But there's nobody on the team, in the rotation at least, aside from J.R. Smith, right, who's probably holding that last rotation spot down. But um of the main guys, there's nobody that's like, that guy is ice cold yeah. right now, you know? Uh, uh, even Danny Green has had a, had a few games where where... He, he saw the ball go in the, in the basket. Um, from the perspective of the team's rhythm, I, I'm excited about that, but I'm also concerned about the layoff. This was a sloppy game. Like, this was not championship-level defense they played in this game. Um, the Rockets and OKC are going to be in more engaged, at least one more engaged game. So I I don't know I almost wish the Lakers had one more game to get a rhythm back before the next series but anyway I I, I digress. What 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 are your biggest takeaways from these uh this five games? I
1: mean from the series itself, I think from a rhythm standpoint, the biggest plus to me is the rhythm that LeBron and AD have found. And you know, um game 1 Neither of them played particularly well, I don't think, even though they got their numbers, right? In game two, it was. Was that the AD game or was that the LeBron game? I can't remember, but back to back, what. Like they both had one big game each, right? Uh, And then these last two games, both of them played excellent. AD obviously went out after the first half like or early in the third quarter he started to experience back spasms and he went out of the game but he had 18 points at halftime he was dominant um right
2: the game was over by yeah, the time and he the
1: game. one of the reasons why it was over was because him and braun were both just so dominant mm-hmm. right and so they've now both had over the course of a five-game series both of them played excellent together in the last two games. And that is a big key to me moving forward. Is it sounds obvious, right? Oh, LeBron and A D played well, the Lakers played well. But that's <laughs> not always going to be a given. It's it's one of the reasons why LeBron said before this like before the playoffs started, like, Hey, that Kyle Kuzma guy, we're gonna need him. Because on a day mm-hmm. cause on days where maybe I don't have it or AD doesn't have it, Kuz needs to have it, right? Well mm-hmm. in this series, that wasn't necessarily the case, even in because LeBron and A. D. were so good even in the games where they weren't great, but in these last two games they were great. So that to me is a big deal moving forward no other team can boast having two players at that level as lebron james and Mm -hmm. and anthony davis and if they are at or near their best that's that's an advantage every night
2: we saw more uh pick and rolls with them too than than we have before um they ran a lot of side ball screens a lot of high pick and roll with with those two guys now they certainly do not uh The Blazers didn't have anybody that could guard either guy, but seeing kind of how those two guys were superb in this series is informative on one level, right, in that the, hey, we finally saw more of the LeBron 80. Lakers ran fewer ball screens, pick and rolls than any team in the nba that did this year despite having arguably the best pick and roll combo or up there at least theoretically with lebron and ad um they were they were devastating with that i loved one adjustment that they made from game one especially that i think really got ad into his rhythm was instead of ad popping to the three-point line he was popping in the mid-range to the dreaded mid-range right and there's there's some point where that is the correct shot, and there's there's something to be said, and if Houston advances, it's going to be fascinating to see two teams on kind of the opposite philosophical ends of a, of a spectrum where, like, AD especially is like, yeah, take take that shot, man, like, that little pick and pop at the elbow from 15, 16 feet away, and I, I thought that him seeing the ball go in the hoop a few times, then... You extend your range out to the three-point line and all of a sudden he's on fire from there he shot over 40 percent from three from january 1st but as he entered the bubble with the exception of the game against utah and gobert he didn't shoot particularly well just like nobody on the lakers really did um but seeing he got himself into that rhythm with the the pick and roll game that's a specific aspect of those two what what about that was in so terms effective. of the pick and roll Mm-hmm. The, like what do you see out of the ad lebron pick and roll well, specifically
1: lebron's decision making just still remains top notch and and i don't mean just shot past decision making i mean like do i turn the corner here do and and oh it's and go mm-hmm. full speed do i do do i pause and take a step back do i force to switch do i pull the ball out do I put my guy in jail or in the sidecar, like we were talking about a couple of podcasts ago, right? And <laughs> yes. and then, like, basically play the in-between game. Like, the, he makes, like, his decision-making and then his ability to then build off of that initial decision in order to generate a positive play. There's just few players in the league like him who can do everything out of that action and generate a positive possession for his team regardless
2: and bro he's nuts with he will come off of a screen and he you know the old saying don't jump to pass but he like that's for one not always true uh and he especially at his at his size magic would do this too but the game was so different and the spacing not nearly as many pick and rolls right but you can see LeBron cycle through his options when he jumps on a pass. He'll go like, he had one in this game where it, the pass barely got completed, but it's the furthest I've ever seen him go. He got to his fourth option. <laughs> There's only four other dudes on the court. But he like, he as he was about to jump up, he looked strong side corner and was like, no, and then jumped and was like, no. Oh, he's covered too. Oh, crap. I'm going to... It, it didn't really do an assist or anything like that but just like that's like an nfl quarterback right if you can get to your fourth option as a receiver cycle through all the other reads before you do and and that's why the ability to do, to do that and then if a team's going to switch which portland did a lot of that houston's going if we play houston is going to do constantly that like oh i'm just going to bully yeah. you and you know, little brother, you it's, there's a certain inevitability and unstoppability. And also too.
1: So LeBron's reads are one thing, the read of the roll man. So AD's reads are, are not as complicated, but they're just as important, right? Because just like you were saying, do I pop to three? Do I pop to mid range? Do I stay, do I stay in the pocket? Right. Do or do I roll hard? Like there are, mm-hmm. and and then after the catch, is my jumper open? Do I show and go? Like, do I, when, if I catch the ball in the short roll, am I looking past first or is there a lane, right? So there are a bunch of different read combinations that as the roll man, you have to be engaged in and, and locked into as well. And I thought as a roller AD was consistently making the right decision again and again and again as well, great point. right? And 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 so the chemistry between those well well those two if and it's like it's like when you call an option route in like football, right? Between the quarterback and the wide receiver the key the the entire key to that is is for the quarterback and the wide receiver to, to read the coverage. The, they have to read it the same way, right? Because if they if they read it wrong, then suddenly the quarterback is throwing the deep ball up the sideline and like the wide receiver broke it off early and ran the square mm-hmm. in, right? And you're like, what the— Right,
2: and it's 20 yards away from where the receiver— You're what like, was what was the that? hell yeah. happened?
1: But when they're locked in and seeing the same thing— then that's where you have success. And I thought that was a key to LeBron and AD sort of showing that polish within an action that you would think they ran a bunch this year. But as you were saying, they really didn't. You you know, the Lakers ran a lot of isolation ball. They posted up a lot. Even when they did run pick and roll, it was They would force switches a lot of time and then AD would clear out or maybe he'd he'd catch the ball and it was really delayed and now he's got a smaller guy on him like at the elbow. So there was a lot of stuff that would come out of that but not necessarily within like bang bang the way that it was this series. So I, I thought within the context of that specific play, the rhythm that they established within that was very important. One guy I want to ask you about, though, within the context of this series and what you not like, not only what you thought about this well, about his play this series, but more about just where he's at now and then going forward into the next round. Uh, whoever the opponent is, talk to me some about KCP because you know over the course of this series i thought he was the lakers third best player
2: yes he he was well at, at least offensive, I mean, well, offensively. offensively 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 yeah. offensively i agree yes uh he's a resilient dude man he showed that to us over the course of of this season right he was a uh, the you know somebody lakers lakers twitter we we went after him right it was and and deservedly so he was very frustrating and and he was not making a shot but this is a this is the type of town and the type of team that it can be like going 0 for 9 the way that he did in that first game this can be a very Danny Green had a really interesting point about this about uh he's talking about Paul George and really relating to Paul George of their only connection to the outside world in a lot of ways is through social media and when you're Missing shots and they're killing you on social media. That's probably not a great feeling in this particular circumstance where y'all can't go anywhere, right? You don't have your family next to you. The, there's just so little comforts of home, and then your one tie to the outside world is just killing you because you're not making shots. And KCP, it, it was almost this microcosm of the season in that he didn't shoot well during the bubble, and he struggled, you know, over nine in that first game. And turned it around very quickly. And I I think that sort of... This is KCP's first playoffs games, right? Maybe he made it once in Detroit. I'm sorry. I'd have to look that up. But he just certainly hasn't gotten beyond the first round and hasn't had this important of a role. And that ability to just shake it off and just do what you do and trust yourself and, and all of that, like, his... It was very veteran, Right, like... Very right? very. So, like... No hesitation on threes. Like, he even took some where I'm like, hey, calm down a little bit, right? But, But that's what you want. Like, we need... A guy who can he got up nine threes in this game? It's not just that he made four of them, right? Which is great to go four for nine, but to get up nine threes takes a certain amount of I'm gonna catch it and I'm gonna let it go because in the playoffs you're gonna get better closeouts. Now that's gonna get more difficult when the defenders go from six two, six three Gary Trent Jr. to Robert Covington to Ben McLemore to just these bigger guys that we'll see how he does under those circumstances, but. Just the absolutely no hesitation at all. I, I I think we absolutely need him to continue to just let he it fly. was
1: he was just really good as a you you know when I say a veteran guy, there is a there is a steadiness and calmness that like Danny Green plays with even when he's not making shots mm-hmm. that that is just
2: just makes you feel like he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. This is, a, if if I can jump in real quick, the pairing with Danny Green is especially interesting because KCP is fast and he plays really hard, but he's there's a certain heat to him. There's a certain thrust, as yeah. Rob Palenka would say, that Danny Green does not have. Danny Green doesn't have that top gear. And so like two kind of... Like it's it's great that Danny plays that way, and and that that has value. But I I think you need to have a guy next to him that has some thrust. The way that KCP yeah, that's does.
1: why it you you know it's interesting because Bradley doesn't necessarily play with that same pace that like KCP plays plays with. Mm-hmm. He's probably in between Danny Green and yeah and KCP, and then a guy like Caruso is probably in between KCP and Avery Bradley, right? So he skews more towards KCP's end as well, right? Which is one of the reasons why I think Caruso's a good fit next to Danny Green as well, because Caruso will fly all over the court as well, especially defensively. But the way that KCP played this game was in a weird way confidence inspiring even when i wasn't sure if his shot was going to go in or not right and and, and he hmm. he just played with a level of i'm going to get after it and i'm going to make the right play there was never a lack of confidence right and, and so even in that first game yes. he went over 9 right but he still got up 9 shots like right Mm -hmm. like he could have easily gone Mm -hmm. oh for three and been like oh okay well next time the ball comes comes to me i'm looking to swing it right but instead he was still attacking closeouts he was still doing the things that you need him to do and and that process is important right because we talk a lot about process versus verse results, and and I think both you you and I are probably more process guys guys than we are results guys because ultimately, if you're a good enough talent and the Lakers have good good enough talents on this team, then adhere to the process and the results will come, right?
2: Especially over the course That's of the right, game or series. an
1: or an 82 game se- or an 82 game regular season or whatever it was this well this year and the wildness that that it was but but maintain your principles stick to the, what the game plan is continue to try to execute as best you can and the results will ultimately come and KCP did that I thought as well as he has all year in this series and and I thought that that was important. It was important to to his success, but like I said again, it inspired some confidence from me that he is not they talk about being scared scared of the moment or whatever. There weren't a lot of moments in this series to be scared of personally, right? Like there weren't a lot of like last second heroics that were need, needed sure. or close games when the Lakers put their foot on the gas well, well on the gas pedal, they started to lap the Blazers. That's you you know, they were two or three tiers ahead of them. That said, when he was like when he was dialed in and when he was getting after it, I just felt like, ah yes, that's what that's what they need from you, right? Shoot like he shot when he was open, when the closeout came, he would attack the closeout. He made the right decisions more times than not, and that's a wild thing to say, honestly, about KCP, considering <laughs> where we were with him, probably, like, even as late as, like, going into this past offseason, right, like, when he was going to be resigned, yeah. when one of the things that I think we were all concerned about with him was just, like, we don't know if he's going to make the play that he's supposed to make, and this series consistently i thought that he did the right things
2: this was a good transition series in that like it obviously a playoff series but going up against a fairly poor defense now fairly poor defense playing at playoff intensity for at least most of the series um but we saw him like there are going to be times where he's not going to make the right play and there were times in this series where where he didn't uh houston will probably force if, if we play houston uh will probably force more of those moments. But I took away more the he's not afraid of the moment. And like there was one, he had this great attack of the closeout and he drove baseline and then just biffed the layup the at the end of it. But like the whole thing, the, mm-hmm. yeah, did the whole like shot fake, rip through, drive baseline, and he, and he missed it. But it was it was a like confident play. There was no hesitation. And everything happened so fast in the playoffs that you have to, do everything right there can't be that split second of like uh, do i do i attack it do i shoot it anything like that and so I, there were a lot of moments like that that were encouraging he was also the point of attack defender on dame amongst the starters uh for most of the game caruso drew the assignment and i thought did very well against lillard but i'm curious to hear your takeaways from the series on the defensive end of the floor that is the place where portland is an elite team and with Game Five as the exception, as a game where you know we played kind of open gym defense, it was sixty-eight to sixty-eight at halftime. Um, in a game where we kind of knew we had it under control when we needed to, to have it, but with the exception of this game, I thought we defended extraordinarily well. What were your takeaways from how we played defense I mean, in the series?
1: Adherence to game plan, discipline. Yeah. Um, understanding their rotations, the sharpness and quickness and execution level on their closeouts by the perimeter players especially. All of those were top level during the meaty parts of of this series. Um, Portland threatens you in a lot of ways. Dame is their main off-the-bounce, attack-the-rim, kick-out guy. Right... Um, And Houston's going to do a lot more of that with more guys from more positions on the floor should the Lakers see them next round. Um, So that'll be a different type of test than what Portland offered, right? But from a schematic standpoint and what Portland tries to do to you defensively through through player and ball movement combined— right and screen setting and player positioning that's why they're such a good offense right and then it's driven by two really dynamic scoring guards and they can get you moving both north south and east west i think portland does a really good job of of using the most like surface area of the court in the half court they're really good at that, right? Like them, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. Utah is like that as well. Um, I think, um, and, and who's another team that's like that? I think Boston can be like that as well, right? Yeah. Like really mm-hmm. side-to-side ball movement teams. And Portland does that really well. And I and I think that what the Lakers showed was, A, that they're well-coached defensively and that B, B and this is what we talked about a few pods ago but B that being well coached they're also very good at at taking that game plan and then executing it right that 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 mm-hmm. there is a, that there is an IQ level that exists defensively with with this team that that really allowed them to lock in and and play with that type of focus and discipline that was needed, right? Like they were really shutting down what is one of the top offenses in the league um during the portions of the game that were supposed to be competitive, right? And mm-hmm. that's really all you could want. From them and if I could just highlight a few players who I thought were really really strong defensively this series I thought Anthony Davis was really good defensively I thought Alex Caruso was excellent defensively I thought Danny Green was really good defensively this series yes right LeBron had
2: remember in our preview we were worried like Danny gonna be able to stick with CJ and, and he, he was that. really good this series. I thought Dwight Howard
1: was really good defensively yes. this series. Right, Kyle Kuzma was really good defensively mm-hmm. this series. That's a lot of guys.
2: One one more guy to add to that. A guy I've been enormously impressed with on that end is is Markeith ah. Morris. He's a guy. He's he's not a great athlete. He you know not uh not fast, not a high jumper. He is in the right spot. Like every defensive rotation, so I just wanted to throw his name in there. That's a lot of guys. That's most of yeah. The, and, of the rotation and I, I mean. thought LeBron
1: too was was good as a back end rotator, which was super important when the Laker within the Lakers defensive scheme against Portland because of the way that they played to the level of the ball with their big band, right. And once Portland started to throw the pocket bounce pass, it was LeBron who was the one who was meeting who was meeting the roll man like in between the dotted line and the nail and he was making Nurkic make reads at 10 feet out and either shoot that floater or force that pass and, and he was there every, near basically 90% of the possessions he was there exactly where he needed to be. It wasn't LeBron's, I feel like, his best like one-on-one like defensive game or series, right? Like I think that should the Lakers end up playing um the Clippers, for example, or maybe the Milwaukee Bucks, right? That LeBron will will then need to 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 raise his level or, or meet the challenge of what it's going to be to guard a guy like Kawhi or Paul George or Giannis, right? And who knows, he may even get a possession or two on James Harden, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like, should they play, play the Rockets? But, so... I wouldn't say that this was LeBron's best defensive series, and, and there were several Lakers who who I thought played a better defensive series than than he did. But but he was not a slouch. So so I just wanted to highlight what seems like now the freaking full team right right in terms of individual I, defensive performances. Well, but but that's that's how good they were this series. That's the thing is
2: it, it was. You mentioned the execution of the game plan, and the game plan first and foremost, I thought was fantastic. The way that we contained without overcommitting to Dame, uh, the way that we had our guards sitting on his shoulder, uh, and our bigs showing at the level of the ball screen. Kind of, we said in our series preview, like you got to take away Damian Lillard's pull-up jumper as much as you can. Like Dame was great still, right in this series, but he. We took away one of their biggest weapons, and the ex the first off the game planning, but then like you said, the execution of the game plan. We've got a lot of veterans. We've got a lot of guys that know exactly where to go, uh, who to rotate to. There were very few moments where like two guys closed out to the corner shooter, leaving the wing shooter wide open. Uh, In in the moments that we were engaged, at least. and then the speed on the perimeter. I, I'm just a lot more heartened by our perimeter yeah. defense. Like I thought we'd be good in this series, uh, but we were they, spectacular in this series when they stepped up, man. Like this was a
1: challenge for these guards, right? Like if if, if you're mm-hmm. naming off the best backcourts in the league, you're not gonna get too far before you get to Dame and CJ, right? And and, mm-hmm. and when you were talking about um, this series potentially being a good one for the Lakers to serve as, like, a real stepping stone series for the next series, you know, whether they play OKC or if they play, play Houston, it will again be another guard-oriented attack, right? With OKC, mm-hmm. it's going to be Chris Paul and and sga and and uh dennis Schroeder and then obviously if you play the rockets it's it's harden and westbrook and then also eric gordon right and then even off of the bench right like austin rivers really plays i feel like an an important role for them and and there's another guy who will attack off the dribble and, and and probably has a bit more to his game than what he's given credit for. So in that way, I think the Lakers guards really did get a taste of, all right, Like this is the level you're going to have to try to meet defensively, and you're going to have to play to a certain standard in order to compete with the level of talent that you're facing on the other side of the floor— and they did it, man. Like, they met that challenge. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't all them. They weren't playing in isolation the, the entire time. The bigs were super important. And as Frank Vogel said, maybe even more important to their to yeah. their team defensive success than what the guards were at the point, point of attack. But for the guards to be as good as they were, this series despite what dame and cj's individual numbers say it was a game where or it was a series where i just thought like oh man like these guys are competing and and really doing their job at at a high level even even though like i said dame dame and cj were still really excellent
2: yeah their job was to execute the game plan right like against i mentioned this in a previous pod but the with elite players it's not so much stay in front of them but force them in one predetermined direction or another and by sitting on their shoulders as i've mentioned caruso was great at this case if he was also good not quite as good but also very good at this we we were able to make their offense predictable which we could you know in damon cj put up their numbers but Everybody else, it was really difficult for them. But part of the reason is because they had one and sometimes two traditional bigs on the floor. Nurkic can pick and pop and hit the three, but didn't shoot the ball particularly well in this series. And that's not really his game. He can play make out of the short roll a little bit, um, but they put Portland in a lot of those situations where like Nurkic on the short roll, like he's okay, but it's not Dame on a pull-up. And the Lakers really forced their hand and forced them toward what we wanted them to do. Now, what I'm curious to see is if the Lakers can do that against a team like Houston in that they do not have those traditional bigs on the court. And so the like, I don't think we're going to lose to a team that has a five who can't shoot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think that's a, that's something that I don't think the talent because we're so big on the inside and we're so fast on our closeouts on the perimeter and all that. Just our rotations, like if we can, if we only have to guard four spots on the perimeter, uh, even if you got four other shooters, I, I just don't see. So like a, a team like like OKC with Steven Adams, who's a, a wonderful player. um... I think that really plays yeah. into our hands. But the execution of those shocking the ball, which showing at the level of the ball screen with the defensive big coming up but not trapping the ball handler, I thought that we showed. I, I think we're the best team in the league at that, and I thought we showed that in this series. And just kind of we, we turned them into—we made them do what we wanted them to do. And sometimes they made the shot, sometimes they missed it, but they were not the offense against us that they were. Yeah, the I think that the they
1: were. What that showed too is that Dame and CJ especially, and to a certain extent, even Carmelo Anthony, right? It, just in terms of his individual shot creation skill, that good offense can still beat good defense, right? But on too many possessions, the Lakers were playing great defense. And... And that means that you're going to have to be consistently great on on offense. And Portland couldn't be against the Lakers top gear defensively. And really, if there was a story to this series, I'm pretty sure that, you know, LeBron and AD are going to get the ink. They were tremendous superstar individual talents and their numbers pop, right? Especially their scoring efficiency, these last few games, like LeBron missed five shots tonight, man. Right, and, <laughs> and AD and, missed four, <laughs> and AD missed four, and they took 19 and 18 shots respectively. Like, uh, like ridiculous level of shooting efficiency. And like I said, when when uh, of those what 37 shots that they combined from from the floor. 13 of those were three-pointers and the shooting efficiency was still there. Like so LeBron and AD are going to get the headlines, right? People are going to give them their flowers as they say for how well they played this series. But if there was an underlying reason for why the Lakers won, it was their defense. Man, it was their defense that Mm -hmm. won them this series. That was a team effort defensively and some really, really strong individual performances within the construct of what they were doing as a team schematically that won them the day more often than not. And, And even in game one, for As much as it was like that was a loss and it was frustrating, to me, that loss sort of laid out what the rest of the series was going to be, right? Because the Lakers shot as terribly as they could shoot. And men, and there were a lot of pundits who were basically saying, well, Portland didn't shoot well either. Portland can shoot better, better too. But guess what? The Lakers defense made it so that that wasn't really the case. And, right, Portland didn't shoot well for a reason. We didn't. No, that was, and my dumbass was sitting, arguing in my mentions, <laughs> on, like, on Twitter, right? Basically trying to make that that same exact point where I should have just stuffed it and saved it because it's not like that matters. But over the course of the rest of the series, that's what, what it was, that Portland's game plan was weird. We're going to have to try to to cut off anything LeBron and AD are doing, and the role players are going to have to beat us, and in the first game, no one played well, well enough, and the Lakers lost by, you know, what whatever, six or eight points. I, I can't even remember the score now. The rest of the series, though, the Lakers had just enough role players step up, and then that does make the Stars' lives easier. And, and so as as the Lakers now advance and move on to the second round, that's still going to be the trend that's going to hold, right? The Lakers role players are going to need to do enough. Against Portland, they did. They did it on both sides of the basketball. And look, man, for the first time since 2012, like the Lakers are second round bound. And, and it was just a great a great way for them to advance, I think, was how they did it. It wasn't shoot out after shoot yeah. shootout. It was we defended and our star show showed up and we got enough role player contributions to keep the other team team honest.
2: That the series was over by early Game Four with how we came out, and like you can see, I've missed this by the way because it's been so long. But you can see when one team breaks another team in a playoff series, and the way that we opened Game Four, it was apparent like, oh, like they know that they have no chance of winning this series, Portland, and everything else from this point on is elementary. Now we had the the break and whatnot, but uh, it was very impressive series by the Lakers. Great to get another playoff win. Um, we'll see, you know, Houston's up three, two. So I'm probably going to devote about 75% of my attention between now and the preview pod to them. Uh, and, and we'll see how their series wraps up on, on Monday. Uh, and then we'll record probably Monday night for a Tuesday release, uh, preview of the, the following series, unless it goes seven, right? If it goes seven, maybe we'll have to wait, uh, a couple more nights, but, uh, Excited into the Western Conference semifinals. Lakers win the series 4-1. to one, And uh, we'll be back with that ser- series preview for the second round. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time.
0: Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's was- good! Gamble in and out, the ball is tipped and it's saved, three seconds left, here's Van Exel, this is for the win, he got it! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, an amazing performance by Kobe. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP Here's chance right, in, Boston, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are Bucks you kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass and it's back to a three-point game and the critical part was Pietras jogging back didn't bounce the floor it's a two-for-one situation Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell there's it's the move good. two, one missing. it, it. Bryant. unbelievable Bryant yes well, that was a little tough to Albert Gentry that insulting <laughs> injury Kobe I mean what a shot I mean you can't defend that are you kidding me
2: The NBA and NHL are playing for gold, and our partners at bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's BetOnline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.